Episode 30, Planning Workflows to Make Your Law Office More Efficient, My Conversation with Streamline Legal's Melanie Leonard. I'm Michael D. Eisenberg. I'm the Tech Savvy Lawyer, blogging at the techsavvylawyer.page and host of the techsavvylawyer.page podcast. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing lawyers, judges, and others in the area of law to talk about where they see lawyers new and seasoned, taking advantage of technology in their legal work, and how all lawyers can utilize technology to better their practice, improve their services to their clients, and enhance their own lives. Melanie is the owner of Streamline Legal. Streamline Legal helps attorneys streamline their office by getting the most out of their practice management software. This, in turn, helps to provide attorneys peace of mind. As an office that runs more efficiently, it allows attorneys to focus on their more important work. Melanie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Glad to be here. Well, we we appreciate you joining us today. And to start, we'd love to learn about your current tech setup. Sure. So here at Streamline Legal, we use um, Gmail for email. We use monday.com to manage our tasks and workflows. And we use Dropbox for document storage. And Calendly is critical for us for our scheduling, which we integrate with Google Calendar. Well, tell us what kind of machine you have that you do your daily work on. Oh, I'm definitely running on a Mac over here. In fact, most of our company is run on a Mac. Um, They just work. I mean, I don't know what else to say. (laughs) So do you have a, do you have a Mac laptop? Is it an iPad or is it an iMac? Uh, Yes. So right now I'm on a 27 inch iMac and um, I have a laptop as a backup here, but usually I prefer the large screen so I can see everything that's happening. Have you ever considered using uh, an extra screen or two? Um, I have, but I've found that the screen I have is large enough to be able to put multiple things on it. So I haven't yet ventured into anything larger. I mean, my brain can only process so much at once anyway. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that if I have too much in front of me, we might have a problem. Yeah, I think I told you off mic that uh, I've got some other things that I'm looking at, which includes uh, a screen on each side of my iMac uh, flanking me, um, the LG 27s that uh, the Mac's been promoting or the Apple's been promoting all these years. Um, is it a Mac? Is it an iMac or an iMac Pro? Um, iMac. May I ask what year? 2020. I mean, it's only oh, like. Oh, so this is this four. is brand new, brand new. Okay. Yeah, this is like four months old. Oh wow! Okay, well, congratulations on the new purchase. I mean, I'm running a, a, an iMac uh, from 2017. Um, ah. You know, I, I, what, yes, actually, I think I think that's what happens when um, you know as your kids get older. And they need mm-hmm. computers for school, especially with right. the online okay. schooling we've been doing. Okay. And so it's kind of yeah. like, this is a great opportunity for me to get the newer one. And you right. can have the one from 2017. <laughs> <laughs> so that worked out well for us. Excellent. Well, what about your laptop? What is it? That one's also four months old. And honestly, I don't even know because I just got it. And I've probably used it five times so far. Is this the one with the M1 chip? Yes. No, no, and I'm pretty ask. sure that as mm-hmm. I begin to travel more, it will get a lot of use. Have you noticed any speed difference between your new iMac and your new MacBook laptop? I have not. However, I will say that on the laptop thus far, I've really only been 
you know, editing Word documents, frankly. Mm -hmm. um, I mm -hmm. haven't had much opportunity to, you know, test it out with some of the, you know, video editing or, you know, graphic work that we do for our marketing and stuff like that. So all that stuff I've been doing on the desktop. So I haven't yet had a chance to test it out on the laptop. But I will say my husband's a musician and he mm -hmm. um, got the same computer at the same time. Mm -hmm. And he does a lot of um, music recording and, mm -hmm. you know, processing on there and has had nothing but great things to say about it. So yeah, I've heard now, not to rain on your parade, but I've heard that like people are like gravitating toward the, the new uh, MacBook with the M1 chip over mm -hmm. their iMacs. That, that could be. Um, for me, it's all about the screen size. I mean, if I gotcha. had, yeah, if I was working mm -hmm. with multiple screens and had a docking station or something like mm -hmm. that, I might mm -hmm. be one of those people. But for now, I'm, I'm very comfortable with the, with the iMac. Now I, I see in the background a it looks like a um, not a home pond but some sort of audio device. Is that the little black thing right there? Oh, um, below the Clio water bottle. Yeah. You know, that is a candle, a votive, if you will. <laughs> um. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's really basic tech, and it it, it shows that my eyes are bad. I better, but I better put you, my glasses on. <laughs> what you probably don't see off screen mm -hmm. is I do have a couple of microphones that I've been using for my new podcast and mm -hmm. um, super excited about that. Um, so we've gone through a couple different microphones. Um, the first one, not quite up to par. So we switched over to something a little more professional and it's, it's been great. So we've just kicked that off and we're super excited. What mic are you using now? Um, let's see um so i mentioned that my husband is a musician mm -hmm. and so he's the one that is the expert in the uh, recording um so this is a shore ksm 27 oh wow um, and you've got like the the movable arm and everything oh yeah no this is hardcore like this is legit it doesn't get much better than this okay wow yeah i'm using a blue yeti here um, so I'm going to be honest with you. That's what I just replaced. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, honestly, it's the weirdest thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when I'm, I use that Yeti for my, um, for my Facebook live videos and it works very okay. well and it sounds great. Um, but for some reason, when we started doing this podcast, it was not picking up that it was picking up a lot of background noise and it was not mm -hmm. as clear as I would have liked. And so I don't know why on some software it seems to work better than on others. Um, but yeah, I still use the, the Blue Yeti. I still use it for my Facebook Live videos and it works great. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know what exactly the difference is, frankly. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I, the only problem I have is that the, um, the mounts typically want to attach to your desk. And I have a, a, a glass desk. So sure. I don't want to attach anything like that to inadvertently, you know, bust the glass. So right. I've been looking for things on the walls and whatnot. When the, the ones on the walls aren't long enough, they only go 17 inches. Um, it's just, you know, whole hullabaloo. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> before we move on to the first question, uh, tell us about your new podcast. Oh, sure. It's called uh, Your Law Firm is a Business. Take it to the next level. And um, I've started it with a colleague of mine, Mark Homer from GMGF. He mm -hmm. uh, works uh, a fantastic marketing firm that works with uh, lawyers all over the country. 
And, you know, he and I just know each other from conferences is from networking mm -hmm. and stuff. And, um, just started talking about how we service a lot of the same types of clients, the clients that, you know, attorneys and law firms that really do want to grow and they're just looking for the right resources. They're looking for the right techniques. They're looking for all kinds of help as far as, you know, marketing and practice management and just so many things that firms can be learning these days. And so we really thought that this would be a great opportunity to reach a larger audience, frankly. You know, we've got our clients that we work with all the time, which is great, but you know, that, that only takes us so far. And so in order right. to get that message out further, the idea being that your law firm is a business and that we mm -hmm. need to treat it that way if we want it to be financially successful, um, you know, and to grow and do all the great things that we want to accomplish. Um, you know, sometimes I think lawyers lose track of that fact. And so that's really why we wanted to create this podcast is to highlight that idea and to bring whatever value we can to help those attorneys that are trying to figure out how to treat their law practice as a business. Tell me, is that out now? Is that podcast out? So we just recorded the first episode today. So I would expect within oh. weeks, maybe even by the time this uh, airs that, uh, yeah, it'll be available. Well, congratulations. And please make sure you send me the link to, um, to subscribe and listen, because I'd like to be one of your first listeners. Thank you. I would love that. We'll definitely make that happen. And I'll definitely share it with the audience. That sounds great. Thank you. So let's get into the questions. Sure. And my first one, what are three simple workflows attorneys can start using right now? Sure. So I, number one, I would say is intake. And for some firms, this is a lot more involved than others. For others, it's very basic. But regardless of how many steps you have or how much work you're doing or how many things you're doing in what I would call intake, you know, it has to be a smooth process because we're talking about from the time the client expresses an interest in your firm to the time that they sign on and say, yes, I'm hiring you. Let's get started on this work. Um, so that time frame, again, whether it's, you know, 10 minutes, a 10 minute conversation on the phone or whether it's mm -hmm. a three month period of you know, vetting and questions back and forth and things like that, the smoother that process is, the more likely that client is going to stay engaged and end up hiring your firm. And so we want that to be as easy as possible, both on your end and on the client side as well. Well, how do you use technology to help streamline that? Sure. So there are a number of different softwares available um, in order to help with that process. Um, we work a lot with our clients with a product called Clio Grow, and Clio Grow will help you track those people that are interested in the mm -hmm. firm and, you know, take you through the process of maybe you have some information you need to gather from them. Maybe you have some documents you need to collect. Maybe you need to do some analysis of whether or not this is a good case, you know, that kind of stuff, keeping track of all of that up to the point where, hey, we're ready to move forward. Let's get them an engagement letter. Let's prepare it. Let's get it signed. Let's move on to, you know, the next steps. And so Clio Grow is a product that we work with a lot. There's other great tools out there. Um, Lawmatics is another great one that a lot of people are mm -hmm. gravitating towards these days. And then there's things that aren't even specific to legal, frankly. Um, you know, this is a process that a lot of businesses go through, whether they're law firms or not. And so some people will um, gravitate towards things that um, are not legal specific as well. All right. So we have one um, intake. Yep. Two. Uh, number two, I put is billing because let's be honest, you know, if, if we're not able to bring in any money, it's going to be really hard to run this business or run this law firm. 
Um, so in my opinion, billing and all that that entails, you know, including um, time tracking, including collections, all of that is very critical in keeping the business operational and keeping the law firm uh, mm. moving forward. And so billing, I would say, is number two. Three. Number three, I'm going to pick um, the, basically the legal work, you know, whichever um, practice area you're involved in or practice areas, whatever you're doing for your clients. So for example, I practiced residential real estate um, in my practice. And so, you know, I would look at the closing process from the minute that we signed a contract until we go to closing, what has to happen? What paperwork has to be prepared? What questions do we have to have from the client? You know, how do we coordinate all the people at the same time in the same place to sign? All those kind of things, um, that's what I would focus on. And so I think that oftentimes we kind of, as attorneys, we get stuck in this idea that, you know, each client is different or each case is different. And there are a lot of differences, but there's also a lot of similarities. And the more that we can harness the power of those similarities and be able to create systems that address those, the more time and energy we as attorneys will have to devote to those um, areas where the cases are different and where our clients do need more attention, right? But if I'm an attorney that's you know stuck, um, I, I say stuck because oftentimes I don't feel like I went to law school to deliver paper to the post office to mail out to the courts, you know? Um, but you know, the more time I'm spending on those kind of tasks, the less time I can spend talking my client through the process and making them comfortable and right. things like that. So um, I would say number three is whatever legal work, whatever practice area you're in, those are the things that we need to start looking at how to build workflows. All right, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, pause you, if you will, for a second, because we've talked yep. about three areas that you can use workflows. We can use them in intake, we can use them in billing, and we can use, let's say for each one, we'll start with intake. Can you give me an example of like, okay, so I'm, I, this, I, this person contacts my office, they have this possible need, what am I entering that's going to trigger to produce a result that's going to help me out down the road? Yeah, that's a great question. And a lot of it does depend on what practice area, right? So let's right. say we're doing estate planning, right? That is an example sure. for you. Um, the person calls in some of the critical information we need to know whether or not we're gonna be able to help them or how we're gonna be able to help them. Mm -hmm. You know, are they married? Um, you know, things, the, the details that I call them um, qualifying questions, right? What's okay. gonna make us either help this person or not? So for example, maybe we focus on, you know, married families right? And we refer out single individuals, or maybe we focus on a particular, um, uh, a particular value, like the estate value. Well, then we're going to want to know pretty early on, what is the value of this estate, right? So whatever those qualifying questions are that you've already determined in your practice, these are the type of people I'm going to help. These are the type of people I'm not going to help. That's what we need to hone in on pretty quickly in order to determine how to move forward with this person. And so, and uh, honestly, sometimes those are things that we don't think about, right? Like I'm an estate planner, I'm gonna write estate plans for everybody. That may not be your best decision, right? Like that, that's a lot of different types of people and a lot of different right. types of plans. And so to the extent you're able and comfortable to narrow that down to a focus area, a group that you prefer or that you feel like you can help particularly, um, that's gonna make that process a lot easier. So, um, so those are the kind of things we look at to start with an intake. Right. So 
for instance, if we're doing estate and we only want to focus on certain types of cases, um, including married and certain uh, large estate, you know, it, you know, can you create some sort of um, program that allows you to sort of like saying, you know, yes, this is married or no, this isn't married. And yes, this account is over. And then it will, what will it produce for you to like, you know, what, what is it helping you with? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So there is technology and programs out there that will do that. Um, before we even get there, though, I highly, highly recommend that you basically just sketch it out on a piece of paper, right? right. So let's okay. make yeah, that yeah. decision tree, right? Because here's right. what happens is oftentimes we jump into the technology and then we didn't necessarily think through the different branches of that decision tree. And we didn't necessarily do that. Now we get to the software and now we're frustrated because it's not doing mm -hmm. what we want it to do. So to your point, yes, we can definitely find software that's gonna accommodate that. If I check this box, send them this engagement letter. If I mark off this you know, criteria, send them this email with this information. So there are a lot of programs that can automate that process. But again, okay. I go back to the idea that don't skip that step of thinking it through yourself right? because that's right. where a lot of people will get frustrated. Excellent, okay, excellent. And like the email you're referring to is like, you know, this is outside our practice area. These are some attorneys that you might want to talk to. Absolutely. Yeah. People, sometimes okay. people get turned off by the idea of, you know, automating those kind of things, or, mm -hmm. you know, they feel like, well, I'm not giving a really good client service. And I disagree. I think that the really great client service is a very quick response that gives them more right. information to go on, as opposed right. to, you having to take three days to get back to them because you haven't automated mm -hmm. it and you've got other things you're doing, obviously. Right. Um, but now they're frustrated and now they get to hear that you can't even help them after they waited three days. And so I, it seems to me like if we're looking at it from the client perspective, oftentimes we can provide a better client service by automating some of these processes. Um, or at least systematizing them, if not automating them. Could you give an example for billing? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one really great example of the way that we recommend, um, you know, systematizing your billing is, first of all, just having someone that isn't necessarily the attorney doing it, frankly, is a mm -hmm. big step. Um, a lot of times, we as attorneys, you know, it's not necessarily the highest and best use of your time. If there's somebody right. else that we can train very well to do this, then we can leverage their time and be able to, you know, accomplish more at once. So a lot of times that's the first step, but as far as the actual building the system goes, you know, we encourage things like, you know, the sending the bills out online, allowing your clients to pay online, you know, automating the follow-up, you know, hey, we haven't gotten your bill, you know, it wasn't paid last week like it was supposed to be. If you're having some troubles, let us know. Otherwise, please make that payment. You know, so all of these things, just like we talked about in the intake, all of these things can be approached very helpful to your, in a very helpful manner to your clients. Um, but if we're just haphazardly sending out bills and we're not always following up with them, um, it's going to be harder to get paid and it's going to make a more frustrating experience for our clients as well. Um, so those are some of the kind of things that we like to encourage when building those billing processes. And so I'm going to go with the last one, legal work, but I'm going to preface this. Can, can you perhaps give an example of an automation that an attorney could do simply through Microsoft Word? Sure. Um, so one of my favorite things to do in Word and the Microsoft Suite is basically the document automation. Um, you know, it, it, is, it takes some, obviously some knowledge and learning how to create these uh, document templates. But once you know how to create a template, 
um, you know, that's basically like writing the letter once or writing the complaint once mm, and then, mm-hmm. you know, you save that time in the future. So I actually, and I, I'll give you a pretty practical tip when I was practicing and trying to create my closing documents for my real mm-hmm. estate. Um, you know, every time I did them, I was like, oh, I really need a template. I really need a template as I'm copying and pasting. Right. And then finally it got to a point where I was like, okay, hard stop here. I'm not drafting any more closing documents unless they are templates, right? And right. so while while it was a mind shift, mindset shift for me, the idea was it's once I knew how to do it, it didn't take me that much longer to write the template than it did to write the actual documents. Right. And so I started implementing that across my practice. It was like, okay, are we writing a document? No, we're writing a template and then we're gonna create the document. Right. Once I was able to do that, then I was able to, um, you know, basically implement that across the practice with all of our documents. And so um, there's a lot of practice management software out there that will help you to do that. But as you alluded to, you know, even just a program like Word, you know, mm-hmm. and build a little Excel, Excel spreadsheet where you type in the data right. and it feeds into Word, you know, that's that's not that's something that takes a little bit of, um, you know, education on the front end but it's not a super complicated software. It's very commonly available. So it's something that you can do without having to get very specialized. Well, one thing I think attorneys tend to forget about is simply doing a save as function. Oh yeah. With, with like, you know, I, I have this motion for summary judgment. I got to file. I'll just get this old one, save as, kill out all the meat for that particular case and put in the stuff that I have for this case. Um, and then the other one in my mind is also, for instance, the date, having the date automatically changed to the print date, um, whether it's for the print date of the original document or perhaps a certificate of service that you always use where the date just have, has a form field so that it will automatically always update to the date that you're printing it off or sending it as a PDF to, uh, you know, for filing or to the opposing counsel. To your point, also um, find and replace, you know, Oh, find yes. and replace yeah. is going to make that a lot faster as well. I, I use that religiously, especially when I realize that I've misspelled something. Like mm-hmm. if I misspelled a client's name, it's not Smith, S-M-I-T-H, but it's Smith, S-I-S-M-I-T-H-E. And, you know, just do a find and replace instead of having to like look through the whole document. Um, yep. Well, let's move on to the second question. What are three tools attorneys will need to create good workflows? Okay, so, um, I, you know, the the most immediate answer that I think a lot of people think about or that comes to their brain is, I need a software, right? Like I need a technology. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I totally disagree. And I am a huge fan of technology. Like I will use mm-hmm. it every day I can. But the reality is what you really need to build a workflow is you need a piece of paper, um, mm-hmm. a pencil to write on it with, a little bit of time, time set aside to not be focusing on other things and conversation with the people on your team that are helping you with things. Um, that's all you need. The, the, if it's just you, great. If it's two of you, three of you, however many people in one room with your brains to document mm-hmm. exactly what you're doing or what you'd like to be doing. Because a lot of times I find when I go into firms and talk to them, they, they don't ever have that conversation, right? And mm-hmm. what happens is we, we continually, as an organization, we keep doing things that we've always done because that's the way we do them. And if we never question that or we never think about it or we never take the time to focus on it, 
that just continues. And so um, I think that instead, if we were to actually set aside some time and put some energy into the idea of having conversation of, well, mm-hmm. this is what I do with the subpoena. And then I hand it to her. Now, what is she doing with the subpoena? Oh, wait, she's doing the same thing I'm doing. Now it's getting done twice. Maybe we don't need to do that twice. Or maybe we do. Maybe it's a good backup, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, But regardless, if we never have that conversation and we just do our part and pass it on, we're never going to improve and we're never going to become more efficient and we're never going to grow as quickly as we might otherwise. And so I would highly, highly recommend that having that conversation either with your team or by yourself, just doing that analysis of what is it I actually do? Because a lot of people, we don't take the time to think about when we prepare a complaint and file it with the court, there's probably 35 steps that we're actually taking in the interim to get there. But we Mm -hmm. just think of it as we got to get this complaint done and filed, right? Maybe we think of it as three steps. The reality is we're really doing a bunch more steps. And the more that we can identify those and analyze those, um, the more efficient we're being able to build our practice. Well, it seems like the uh, the three tools there is planning, planning, and planning. Pretty much, yeah. And and I know sometimes it's hard, especially, I mean, I've been there where you've got, you know, a bunch of closings coming up and you don't have a bunch of time, right? Mm-hmm. But the reality is that if you never take the time to have that conversation or have that thought process, Mm -hmm. you will continually be stuck in that never having enough time, right? So how do you dig yourself Mm -hmm. out of not having enough time? You make a plan. And if you don't take the time to plan, you will continue to be stuck in that same place. Excellent. Well, my last question, what are three workflows attorneys can make that quite simply will stun them as they had no idea something like this could be done? Yeah. So, I'm going to cheat a little bit and say the first three that I mentioned, frankly, the intake, the billing and the legal work, Mm -hmm. I will tell you, I was stunned when I did it because what I did in my practice is, you know, at first I practiced the way that a lot of attorneys do very reactionary, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, this client called, I got to work on his stuff fast because he's complaining or this deadline's coming up. I got to work on that quick because it's coming up next. Mm It is so much more exhausting to practice that way than if you are practicing more proactively. And Mm -hmm. yes, it takes more time and planning, but I will tell you the relief that it gave me as a professional, as a person was, um, you know, it was stunning, frankly. Um, So in my opinion, any of these workflows can have that effect if you um, implement them. But to answer your question a little more literally, Um, You know, I think there are things, just simple things, like, for example, I mentioned using a scheduling tool. We use Calendly in our office. Mm -hmm. Um, The number of emails and back and forth coordinating phone calls and such that that has reduced, not just for me, but for my team as well, um, has been like mind blowing. I mean, it, it just simplifies things so much. Um, So that's a prime example. Well, which I think is an excellent example, but let's talk about, or could you talk about how specifically Calendly, Calendly, like why or how it saves time? Sure, sure. So the most obvious and immediate is that now instead of emailing a person, hey, we need to talk, let's coordinate Mm -hmm. this. Here are five times I'm available and I review the calendar and I find them and I put them in. 
I send that email off. They take a day or a couple hours to respond. Mm -hmm. By the time they respond, three of those spots are already taken. And right. whoops, one of them was the one they wanted. Now I've got to go back with some additional times. Now, I've, right. and, and frankly, depending on how many people you're coordinating and how often, that can mm -hmm. be a significant mm -hmm. amount of time. Um, so that's the most immediate effect. But what I find is really um, also very helpful is a scheduling tool can really help me to block my time. And mm -hmm. it, there are studies that show that the more that we're able to block the activities that we're doing, um, the more productive that we will be. Because it, right. a lot of times it's the transition that kills us, right? Mm -hmm. It's the 20, 21 minutes approximately that it takes us to focus on one thing after being interrupted from something else. And if that happens three times a day, now you've got an hour of billable time that is down mm -hmm. the drain, right? Or you know, even if we're not billing by the hour, still that's time that we have to count for. So. Um, being able to say, listen, Calendly or whatever scheduling tool, I mm -hmm. do new client consults from one to five, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I right. do, you know, team meetings from nine to noon right. on Tuesday or Thursday, that kind of thing where I don't have to train a staff now, anytime that changes, or I have to adjust something mm -hmm. I, that's the, the software just knows. Right. So now I train my staff to instead use the software internally. Mm -hmm. Now they know all of our plans. They don't, we don't have to, um, you know, retrain everyone or keep everyone up to date when changes happen because they do, I mean, things happen. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I find to be the added benefit of mm -hmm. having a scheduling tool like that. And it really keeps you accountable to what you say. Like if I say, this is how I want to arrange my schedule, the, the software is not going to take excuses from people and, you know, right. reasons why we need to do things differently. Um, so that, that I think is a huge benefit as well. Well, all right. So that's one. How about two others? Two others for, um, so other automations, I, and, and I'm going to, again, stick with the idea of automation just because I feel like that's something that is, um, most impressive to people, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and I say that because there are a lot of things that maybe we originally did either ourselves or a team member in, internally that now we can turn over. Um, and so my number two I'm gonna stick with is document automation. And whether we're doing that again through Word like we talked about, or we, you know, doc, um, document automation through your practice management software, almost all of the software out there these days that's geared to legal has some type of document automation. And so, you know, whether you're using some standalone product, which is super advanced or using, you know, the product that you have within your practice management, I reduced the amount of time that I spent on my closing documents specifically that used to take me 45 minutes every time. Like by the time I reviewed them, copied and pasted everything I needed to, adjusted them, whatever. With the software, it took five minutes, like between clicking the button and reviewing what came out. And so that was a huge time saving for me, especially at the time when I was a solo practitioner and like, you know, that the time was money at that point. So mm -hmm. um, right. it was, I mean, the document automation, even, even if you're just using it to get to a template that gets you 80% of the way there, maybe it's not spitting out the complete completed um, complaint, right? Maybe you still have to go in and make some edits. Fine. Right. But that 80% is still going to save right. you a ton. And so, um, the, but so I mean, the time saving and the, um, you know, the reduction of human error, I would say, 
I, I think it's a huge, and it's not till you sit there and then create the document and it comes out and you have like mm-hmm. this, this like, like physical relief response where you're like, oh, okay, good, good. I got it. Right. Like that's literally how I felt the first handful of times that I did it. Um, and then it just enabled me to, you know, spend more time doing other things. And yeah, I would, so I would say until you try it, like you don't fully appreciate or understand the amount of time that it can save you. Um, and then um, let's see, number three, um, I am a huge fan of, um, if you're familiar with the program Zapier. Um, yes, I am. So Zapier, for those that aren't, um, will allow you to help apps integrate together. And what happens now is we all kind of go out there thinking, oh, we would love, you know, a product that does this or a product that does, mm-hmm. that, does that. We're all searching for the one product, right? I mean, let's be honest. If, if mm-hmm. we had our oh, yeah. perfect world, it would all be in one thing, right? The reality is it's not right now. Like, I don't know if it ever will be, but it currently is not. And so if I want the best scheduling and if I want the best task management and if I want the best of all this, I'm going to end up with multiple things. And so um, I find Zapier to be awesome to be able to help me integrate programs that enable them to work together when maybe they weren't designed that way. So for example, one of my favorites, and this is a a pretty basic one, but um, you know, anytime I get an email from a new person that I had never mm-hmm. talked to or don't recognize or whatever. Mm-hmm. I have a zap that puts, creates that contact right into my CRM. Right. Excellent. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, and that's a super basic one. Right. But then I've got others that are a little bit more advanced that I use with Zapier where, you know, I check off a task in Monday where I'm tracking things and it automatically Zapier will tell Gmail to send out an email, giving my client an update. Right. Oh, so now okay. I'm, that's a little more advanced, but it's just a great example of how, I can provide a really great client service to my clients to say, hey, here's your latest update. Here's what you need to know. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have to write the email, frankly, or send it out. Um, So there there are a lot of things that Zapier can help us accomplish, again, from the very basic to the more complex, but being able to use the software we already have, hopefully, um, in, in integrating those together. Because again, I'm not saying we'll never get to a point where there's one software to rule them all, if you will. Um, but we're not there yet. And so Zapier is very helpful in that regard. Well, one thing I think we got to point out is with Zapier, um, it allows it to, uh, for Calendly to connect mm-hmm. to your um, CRM and your calendar. Absolutely. And, you know, when people, when clients come back and make a change saying, hey, I can't meet now, I'm going to come back and meet another time, uh, that your, your schedule gets updated. So that's going to be, you know, I think that's, one that I think you'd love given how much you like Calendly. Yes, absolutely. That's a really nice one as well. And, and things like, I mean, it's funny. Sometimes this is how I shop for software. I'll go Mm -hmm. to the Zapier website and I'll look at what connects with Zapier because that's just a huge added benefit to me that if it's going to work with a lot of other stuff I use, then the possibilities are frankly, I won't say endless, but they're pretty extensive. (laughs) They, they do have a long list of integrations. They do. Well, Melanie, I want to thank you for joining us today. Where can people find you? Oh, absolutely. So um, the business that I founded and am thrilled to be running these days is Streamlined Legal. And we are mm-hmm. online at www.streamline.legal. 
And, um, you know, hop onto our website. We've got some videos there that are very helpful as far as um, teaching you some tips that you may not have recognized about your practice management software mm-hmm. or tips on growing a business. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, we'd love to have people meet us over there. And then if you want to interact further, you know, we're on social media as well. You're welcome to reach out there to us. And um, yeah, we love chatting about all things practice management, frankly. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today and I hope you'll come back. Yes, absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the TechSavvyLawyer.page podcast. Our next episode will be posted in about two weeks. If you have any ideas about a future episode, please contact me at MichaelDJ at the page. Have a great day and happy luring. Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.